Black Friday and Cyber Monday are coming up fast, and if you don't have a good loyalty program to give customers a reason to come back after the holidays, you're leaving money on the table. If you don't have a loyalty program already, don't panic. Our friends at Bold have a great loyalty app, and setting it up is dead simple. There's no installation, no liquid update needed. It just works. You set the amount of points customers earn when they shop, what the redemption value is, and that's it. You're done. If you want to get fancy, you can offer points when customers share your store on social media, when it's their birthday, and more. Loyalty Points even integrates with Bold Cashier, so customers can use points at checkout like a real currency. They could pay for an order with half points, half credit card, or you can let them use points toward upgraded shipping. And on top of that, it doesn't use discount codes, so customers can still use those as normal if they have one. Here's my Black Friday tip for you. Bold Loyalty Points has a sweet feature that lets you offer bonus points during certain periods. Maybe you aren't allowed to offer discounts or you don't want to. You could offer double the loyalty points during Black Friday as your incentive. This year, use Bold's loyalty app to supercharge your holiday promotions. Bold loyalty points comes with a free trial and your first 500 customers completely free. Visit boldcommerce.com or search Bold Loyalty in the Shopify app store to get your free trial started today. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elser, recording from EtherCycle HQ, high atop Westfield Old Orchard Mall in scenic Skokie, Illinois. And in this episode, you will hear about a wonderful husband and wife team who have brought a brand new baby product to the market. They manufactured, had it, manu- designed it, had it manufactured themselves and launched it themselves all on Shopify. And here's the really crazy part. They launched it simultaneously in parallel UK, Ireland, and US stores with very different results. So we are going to walk through that journey and their learnings in the process. Joining me today is Aileen McCulley from The Wriggler. Aileen, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Kurt. How are you? I'm well. And uh, we, we could tell by your accent and where you launched your store, where you may be from, but tell us where you're recording from. Yeah, so I'm recording from Dublin in Ireland, all the way across the Atlantic. And uh, so uh, prior to becoming a, a Shopify merchant, an entrepreneur, what did you do? What was your, your, your day-to-day? So I'm trained as a school psychologist, and I still work part-time as a school psychologist. And my husband is a high school teacher, or a secondary school teacher, as we say over here. Um, so we both, but we're both kind of part-time stay-at-home, mom and dad, and part-time working and part-time entrepreneurs so we've kind of got yeah a little bit of everything going on and you have jumped into the the baby product market which is an 11 billion dollar industry utterly wild so if you're Mm -hmm. thinking if you're on the fence you're like all right i've got this idea for a baby product a kid's product it there the money is out there people will spend money on their kids for sure so it is a a good time to jump in but tell me do you have kids So I do. Yeah. So we have two children who are now six and four. But so that was where the the inspiration for the regular came from. And when our first son, um, when he learned to roll and crawl, diaper changing became an absolute 
battle between us and him. So it would take us two hands to keep him still. And then we had no, ha- <laughs> no hands left to change the diaper. And it would be a mess everywhere. And, you know, pediatricians recommend at that stage that you don't change them on changing tables anymore right. because it's so dangerous and they can fall. So then you change them on the floor. But with that freedom, they just want to go everywhere. They flip over, they crawl away. And then you're using two hands to keep them still and you've no hands left to change the diaper. So it was just a battle and we looked for a solution. We couldn't find one. Um, And when you think, okay, we could all cope with it once or twice, but when you think that we change our little ones on average six times a day or six and a half thousand diaper changes until potty training, we were thinking we have to create a solution for this. So that's where the Wriggler was born. Hmm. I love the name for two reasons. (laughs) So it's, when you have no idea what it is, it's out of context. The Wriggler. It's one of those names where, and the example I always use is going, I'm a dog lawyer. It's one of those things where you have to go, all right, tell me more. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the downside to a name like The Wriggler or a name like our agency name, EtherCycle, is yeah, you're like, yeah, I want to know more, but you, it also doesn't give you any context. What's clever about The Wriggler is as soon as you know, it's like it, it's just in the category of baby product. All right, you're starting to get an idea or understand, but where did the the name came from? I assumed you were referring to your your child as the Wriggler, who is attempting exactly. to escape. Yeah, so it just it kind of does what it sounds like. So yeah, our little guy he would just wriggle everywhere, and that's what like people call their babies and toddlers at that stage wriggle worms wriggle monsters everything so it's just anything that you can imagine when they're trying to wriggle flip crawl um so yeah it's just ours was we went a little different ours was a party baby because she was always ready to party oh very cool yes (laughs) does she like to sleep uh yes she well she's not a good (laughs) sleeper she's the third so we we figured out what we're doing by then Um, the first children are just practice and then by the time you get to the third you more or less know what you're doing yeah Um, yeah don't tell them that oh my gosh the yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so you've got this this very real uh pain problem annoyance in your real life where if you have a child on a changing table this is a a legitimate danger but if you're changing the child on the floor you're going crazy because it takes like a team of people to change a diaper and meanwhile the child thinks this is hilarious so exactly how did you go from we've got this problem to now we have a product that solves it? Well, so, yeah, we were kind of in the throes of this problem every day, day in, day out. And we both decided, my, my husband James and I, we need to come up with a solution. So James, being the very domesticated husband that he is, he borrowed a sewing machine, went on to, to YouTube, taught himself how to sew. We went to Ikea, tried loads of different types of fabrics and materials. And we just came up with a solution that worked for us. So it was a changing, it was still a changing mat or a changing pad, but it freed up our hands, gave us our hands back. It kept our little guy in place. And it just, it really did return diaper changing to that quick, easy experience that it had once been. Um, so then I guess, you know, we, we were having my my sister, my friends, a lot of them had babies of the same age and they were all experiencing the same problem. So when they saw it, they wanted to try it. And as we realized, it's a problem that's experienced by up to 40 percent of parents. So we figured, well, maybe this is something that could actually help more than just us. And that's where we started the very long journey of bringing the regular changing pads to uh, to the market. Going back a little bit, I love that the journey starts with a sewing machine and going out and trying to solve this yourself for two reasons. Number one, this fits so perfectly into the common entrepreneurial journey, which is you have a pain or problem in your real life, and then you say, Mm -hmm. well, why can't I solve this? And then going out and actually attempting to do it. The um, And then the fact that you went and made the thing yourselves with a sewing machine I have come to accept that being able to sew properly on a sewing machine is an entrepreneurial superpower. If you're out there and you own a sewing machine and you're skilled at it, there is no reason you couldn't be selling something clever on Etsy. But don't just limit it to, I make stuff myself. You, your sewing machine, you now have the ability to make prototypes of things. Recycled Firefighter, seven-figure store sells primarily wallets. It's because the, uh, the, the retired firefighter who runs it, Jake Starr, had it could sew. He had a sewing machine. He started sewing fire hose wallets or 
uh, Beef Brody for tactical baby gear. He said, I'm going to make my own diaper bag and sat down with his sewing machine. The man could sew and made his own diaper yeah. bag. So that is such a, if you have a sewing machine, your house can use it. You should view that as I own a rapid prototyping machine. It's an amazing skill. And considering when I was doing it, I was trying to staple things together and that really didn't work well. So yes, the sewing machine was a brilliant addition to, to the whole project. Definitely. Yeah, I can't, I cannot sew to save my life. But I am no, I couldn't. I am in awe of people who can. Um, mm-hmm. But one step in between is generally before people they go where well, we've got this issue, and then they you got to well, let's make our own our own solution for this. In between is well, what are the are there does a solution for this exist in the market? Was there did you consider any existing solutions? Yeah, absolutely. We did look. Um, yeah, we looked online. We looked at our local baby shops. And we really couldn't find anything that would solve that problem. Like, you know, on changing tables, some of the changing tables have, you know, a thin strap that can go across the child's waist. But, I mean, we're talking strong kind of one-year-old child. That does not hold them, and it's not – we didn't consider it safe. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the closest alternative we could find. There are some that, you know, will help keep – the child's hands out of the mess and that and that's another but that wasn't actually a problem that we had the problem that we really had was just trying to keep them still just long enough that we could take off the diaper and put on a clean one that was it um and we just couldn't find anything that would solve that particular problem yeah they have these uh the two changing mats or yeah the two changing mats we have there's like just this one inch nylon webbing strap like we have never i don't think we've ever once used it because we're like what no. in what universe is this actually doing anything this is just a false exactly. sense of security yeah totally so how is the wriggler different than one of those so it's a, a changing mat but what's different about it yeah so in some ways it's kind of hard to describe but if you imagine on the outside it like so it folds up like a traditional portable changing pad that you would fit in your handbag or changing bag but when you open it out it has a bear character on it and so the, the bear character yeah so the character has two arms coming out of the mat so you lay your little one down and then the bear gives your little one a hug so their arm the bear's arms cross the child's body and then they extend down into knee pads so when the parent kneels on the knee pads it oh. anchors the pad yeah so it anchors the pad and the baby in place, and it frees up your hands. So basically, your knees are doing what your hands are usually doing, trying to keep the little one still, but they're on the knee pads, and then your hands are freed up for a really quick and easy change. Um, so we like to say that we're changing struggles to snuggles, but <laughs> so that, that's kind of our, our tagline. So yeah, the little one gets a bear hug while you get the job done nice and quickly. And it looks, it, it's super cute. It looks fun. I had no idea those were knee pads in the bottom. That's very clever. Did you... Yeah. In James, your husband, to have any product design or development experience? No, not at all. Like, <laughs> this was its really just necessity is the mother of invention. We just, this was something that, like, we tried lots of different um, iterations of it, but this was the one that ultimately worked and really kept our guy in one place and freed our hands. So, no. Now, since then, like, Obviously, the 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 market or the product that we sell now is a hell of a lot further along than our first prototype. So once we had the design, um, kind of how like functioning, we did work with a couple of design universities in Ireland, and they just helped refine the actual the look of it. And so we worked with a product design team and a fashion design team, but that was more how it appeared. And, you know, the bear character and that, but the actual functionality of it and the knee pads, which are, it's actually, we have a patent on it, which we're delighted with. Um, so that, yeah, that was us. It was, but it was just problem. We have a problem. We need to solve it. So I do think it's definitely the, the way to a lot of good products. Necessity really is the mother of invention. And so you, you solve this problem for yourselves so that you had family or friends see it and go, oh, geez, I want one. Yeah. Basically, so yeah, my sister has four kids, so she was definitely one of our our first um, product testers. And you know, when you're at that stage in your life, a lot of your friends tend to have babies and that. So um, yeah, they all tried it, all found it helpful, and then it just kind of 
it grew from there. We we figured that this was something that, you know, there was nothing else like it, and it seemed to be solving a problem that wasn't effectively solved before. So, um, yeah, it was something that we thought, well, maybe this would be helpful for for other people as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, so what? So other people were looking at going. Uh, I want one too. And is that the moment yeah. <laughs> that occurred to you that hey, we should we should do this. This should be a business. How did that conversation go? Well, the funny, actually, the moment that really sticks in my mind was we were at a point where um, my mom and dad were helping with the childcare for one day in the week. And um, we, I remember my husband dropped my son over to my dad one day and he didn't have the regular with him. So he didn't have this rough prototype that we'd always used. And the look on dad's face when he realized that he was going to have to change a diaper without the wriggler that was james's kind of light bulb moment where he was like oh this is actually a problem that you know this could make way more people's lives easier than just ours or our family and friends so that kind of sticks in both of our heads as a moment where we thought yeah this we could see this in other people's homes being useful to other people as well so that that light bulb moment the i think not to diminish what you did there, leading up to then is really the easy point. And it's then yeah. the thing that scares me, because I've never done it and I have seen people struggle with it, everyone struggles with it, is actually getting the product manufactured in mass manufacturing. Like, yeah, you could attempt to yeah. make all of them out of your house and sell an Etsy, and that would be a legitimate cottage business. But if you want to um, be hands-off and grow it and scale it to where you, someone else is making it and you're fulfilling it, What's what's that next step there? How did you go about saying, all right, let's do this. Now what? Yeah, and it is, I mean, it is daunting. And kind of looking back, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of challenges along the way. But I think we just took each step incrementally. So the first step was even finding somebody who had mass-produced other products before. So we found a couple of um, sourcing agents in Ireland and just talked to them about even the process of if you were to manufacture something like this, how would you go about it? And ultimately, so those kind of, those were the first steps of thinking, okay, how can we get this recreated? Um, then we did find a, a sourcing agent that we were really happy with and, um, and he has been kind of our lifeline through all of it. I think, you know, he has years of experience in the industry. He, We do manufacture overseas um, and he has huge experience over there. And he has, um, you know, colleagues who work on the ground over there who can really help. So that I think that relationship with him and finding someone that we trusted and who had experience in the area, who could kind of fill the gaps that we didn't have, that was invaluable to us um, so that was kind of the start of the journey finding um, a sourcing agent who would then help with finding a factory he sourced a really good factory that we were really happy with and then we had we went through a lot of different steps of getting samples back and forth so we had our initial sample but they were they produced they replicated the first sample but you know it took a lot of samples to be honest to get the to exactly where we wanted it to be like it's a product that's used from newborn all the way up to age three so we want it it had to be you know it's bpa it's phthalate free it's lead free pvc free there's loads of restrictions over baby products and safety testing and all of that so we had to make sure that the samples not only looked like our sample but also met all of the safety requirements for that so that took time but I think as long as we took each step, it was like, okay, we have the sample. Now we need to test this mater these materials to make sure that they pass these tests. And then when they all passed the test, then it was like, okay, now we need to look at the packaging. Then when we got the packaging, then we were like, okay, let's ready. Let's go to order. So I think, yeah, going step by step, it all, it all kind of fell into place eventually, if that makes sense. So you have the, you decide to jump in, you have your light bulb moment. Then yeah. you talk to multiple sourcing agents. You find one that makes you comfortable, you're comfortable with, and you yeah. hire the sourcing agent who's a consultant who helps you uh, go about having the the final industrial design version of the product made. Then you find yeah. manuf uh, working with the sourcing agent, find manufacturers. The manufacturers send you samples, which 
the samples are almost always going to be better than the final version. So you better nail those samples. Go through multiple samples to get it to where yep. you're happy with it. Then safety testing to make sure that yep. the stuff's lead-free, etc. Yeah. Now what? So then, so now we have our final sample that we were happy with. And at that point, actually, because things were taking time going back and forth, James actually traveled over to China, over to the factory to um, meet with the manufacturer to just to, I guess, to negotiate to some extent, because obviously that's a factor involved and, you know, to get the pricing right. Um, And then just to build that relationship with the factory as well and with the manufacturer. So, um, yeah, so that was an experience in itself, I'd say, you know, that making that trip over from Ireland over to China, uh, you know, night was day for him. He spent a week there and just the culture shock that went with that. He, you know, he was he was in a very industrial part of China, so there was not no Western food or anything like that. So um, it was definitely an interesting experience. But at the end of that um, that trip, he we placed our first order. So they often or well, they all have minimums. So we kind of you know you don't want to place too small of an order, but you obviously have to meet the factory's minimum. So we placed our first order then. And then that's when they started the first factory run. Um, and yeah, it went from there. So, but even within that then, so while they're producing it, um, we had further testing, quality control testing, which can be arranged really easily actually over there because we weren't on the ground for the actual manufacturing. So to do that, they, test a certain number of each batch just to make sure that they meet the minimum requirements that we've given. Um, and then that all takes around three months and then they put them on the boat and ship them to us. Hmm. And right, so <laughs> from the moment that you said, let's find this from the moment the sourcing agent was set off on making those first samples to the time that product landed on your shores. How long was that? Um, <laughs> longer than you would think, um, probably, oh God, well, bear in mind, okay, so our eldest is six now, he started, we started having this problem when he was one, we're a year, in, maybe, probably 18 months from when we actually started working with the factory to when it landed on our shores, in terms of back and forth, I think it would have been quicker if we had gone over sooner, but most people don't have that. I don't think you need that to actually, you know, to place an order or that. But it probably would have shortened the the process because it was just the idea of, so they would send us a sample. We would say, okay, these are the good bits of the sample and this is stuff that we need changed or this bit here. So then we would send that feedback and then it would take another couple of months for them to send the next sample. And then we'd say, okay, this is getting closer, but now we need this change and this change. You know, so all of that, it just took time back and forth. Um, so yeah, probably 18 months, but at the same time, we definitely feel like as much as in some ways we would have liked to, to have been quicker. We learned a huge amount in that time from when we got that sample to when we actually started selling it. We learned a huge amount in terms of how we were going to market it and how we were going to put it out there and try and sell it, which while you're yeah. waiting for that product, you're simultaneously planning, oh, my, like now it's, it's for real, you're locked in. Yeah, so you are yeah. back home, instead of just waiting, twiddling your thumbs, you are planning, okay, here's how we're going to market and launch this thing and make the money back that, you know, sure, it was not inexpensive to uh, design, develop, and manufacture this thing. Exactly, yeah. And in reality, that was the most valuable learning probably of all. So I guess when we first had this idea, like we knew nothing about e-commerce. We didn't know anything about the baby industry either, I suppose. Like we're just going along doing our jobs. Um, and Did you have any experience in internet marketing? No, like I have done bits and pieces. Like, I mean, I had done some eBay selling when I was in college to try and pay for fees and I had done, but no, <laughs> Me too. Had, like, yeah. So it was literally right. Let's make ends meet. Let's sell some stuff. Like it was never any kind of official right. e-commerce business or anything like that. So, and that wasn't really on our radar to start with. Um, 
you know, we kind of thought, okay, well, let's get this into the local baby shops and that. But it was really James then who kind of started looking at podcasts and looking at a lot of digital marketing. And that's when we kind of thought, actually, this is quite a good fit for e-commerce because it's a it's a specific market that we can target. So we use we do use a good bit of Facebook and Instagram advertising so we can target a specific market it's pretty much like mothers of babies age zero to three some fathers but predominantly so it's definitely a market that can be targeted it's a problem that has a solution so it's very demonstrable we have a video that runs that shows the problem and the solution and well, I think if people went into the shop, they wouldn't necessarily be looking for, oh, do you have any changing pads for babies who wriggle at diaper changing? It it works well with that kind of interruption marketing where if we show up on their news feeds, like it seems to resonate really well with mums going, oh, my God, I have this problem. And I never knew that this solution existed, you know, so it was only through podcasts like your podcast and like other e-commerce podcasts that, and digital marketing podcasts that we thought actually this does fit really well into that space and that's why we had we went that direction and really we're so glad that we did Hold up. we'll hear more after this quick break support for this podcast comes from simpler a new way to staff 24 7 sales and customer service on your shopify store it works with your existing email and chat tools so setup is quick and easy Simpler provides on-demand, U.S.-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now, back to the show. Hit me. You went from, we know nothing about this, but our back's to the wall, and we have to figure out how to sell it. And yes. the, the number one way you figure that out was through podcasts? Yes. Oh, that's so <laughs> <We> cool. Read- <laughs> yeah, like, it's amazing. The Yeah, the information that, like, we've learned so much. And I know, like, not to be blowing smoke at you, but we've learned so much from your podcast and so much from other... Give me some just, others. I'll put them in the show notes. Um, So, Digital Marketer, we found that. Perpetual Traffic, that was a, a really good one. Um, Mike Jackness's Ecom Crew... Um, e-commerce influence. I think that's um, Andrew Foxwell, Austin yes. Bronner. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah, um, we found like Rick Mulready, the art of paid traffic. Like that's more kind of digital products, but still the concept of, you know, which I know you talk about a lot. You know, building that relationship with the audience and multiple touch points and giving content so that then when people are ready to buy, they will know where to find you. And that all of those lessons kind of learned really from, yeah, a lot of digital marketing podcasts and it's like as busy parents and people like we still do have our jobs to pay the bills so we do like say I have a really long commute to work so I would listen to podcasts on my way to work I would listen to podcasts coming home from work James same thing or if he's out for a run he'll always listen to a podcast and then we'll you know so it's just amazing the amount of information that we've got from that and then obviously like a lot of books on kind of marketing and um yeah like say uh you know contagious by jonah berger and like the wizard of ads all of those kind of advertising books we would have listened to on audible as well because we don't really have time to read books anymore but (laughs) me too it's yeah but it's amazing how much um how much you can consume during that kind of dead time during your day when it's kind of wasted for other stuff and yeah, that's really like that is one hundred percent how we've got to this point. Which, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this morning my I drove in, took me about it rained, so naturally, like slight rain. There were three accidents. Took me forty minutes to get here. I yeah. listened to several chapters of an audiobook, and that's yeah. I'm in the car. I occasionally listen to music, but for the most part now, it's just it's Audible and podcasts, and whether that's entertainment or continuing education, I love it. I would. Like I would almost miss having a short commute or miss yes. having a long commute. <laughs> I know. Isn't it so strange? Yeah, it is amazing how kind of the worst part of your day can actually become kind of an interesting part of the day. It's yeah. It turns so into an asset in that like there is you cannot be distracted by screens. Well, I suppose you could, but it's a terrible idea. You can't it be is. distracted by a screen while you're driving a car. 
Exactly, yeah. And I when I'm leaving the office, I'll always make myself a cup of tea, put the tea in the car, put on the podcast. So I'm like, this is now my happy place. And I'm on bumper to bumper on this motorway that's like horrendous. But yeah, it's turned into one of the best parts of the day. So the <laughs> the three podcasts we recommended were Perpetual Traffic, Ecom Crew, E-commerce Influence, um, and then you said a couple the, of books with yeah, Contagious um, well, Wizard of Ads. Yeah, uh, the Tipping Point found that one really good as well. But yeah, I think for, I don't know why Contagious just really sticks with me. I think because how things catch on, you know that that need for kind of video now and video content in marketing and how that's how people are consuming their information and it just gave really helpful kind of basic core principle uh, principles I found on how to make good videos that people will want to share and as a result our the video that we have running on Facebook has I think it's like a 1.5 to 1 share to like ratio so for every 1.5 likes that we get we get a share which i think seems to be good in terms of um metrics for it's quite a shareable video by the sounds of things no absolutely yeah and is this so, yeah. the similar the same or similar to the video on the website it's the same yeah it is the same um so we have it was it, like this was all part of our kind of testing on with facebook advertising so on the website we have an animation which took a lot of expertise from this guy we worked with. He was amazing to come up with. And I think there's two and a half thousand frames in it or something, you know, because it's it is like it's a it's a kind of pencil animation and it's really cool. But then we also so we put that up on Facebook just to see would there be interest, what people would think about our solution, this this idea. And it did really well and it helped us you know, generate leads. So we ran ads to that, to a landing page to try and generate email addresses. And that did work really well. But we got a lot of feedback that people would love to see real babies in it um, because this is an animation. So they probably couldn't relate to it perfectly well. So then I just got videos that I had taken on my phone of, you know, family, friends and other product testers showing the diaper changing struggle and then showing those babies in the regular and we came up with I just came up with a minute long kind of problem solution video that shows the features and benefits and whatever and that yeah that does well on Facebook it does it like it gets good really good engagement and you know when you look at cost per lead and cost per like view content and conversion rates and stuff it seems to do well and gets high relevance scores and that so so um, your very successful video you shot and edited yourself on your iphone absolutely yeah it's like yeah it's all really and i've heard that again through podcasts that i've heard that that that's you know the that native kind of content works really well with um on kind of Facebook and Instagram and I'm living proof that that's true. So this video took maybe like a couple of hours to put together versus the animation took months and the video way outperforms the animation, mm. like to the point that we just use the video now and uh, yeah, it works really well. So before the product has launched, you start with trying to generate awareness through these Facebook video ads. Yeah. So we like the very first ad we ran we did we see we hadn't filed a patent at that point so we just did a little teaser of the first bit of the animation actually to show the problem without the solution just to see how people would react and we got a pretty good reaction to that and then yeah we we did a kind of you know the um, Jeff Walker style product launch yeah. formula. Yeah. So that was how we ultimately launched. So maybe six weeks before the launch date, we started running ads with this minute long video to a landing page saying, you know, sign up to find out when the launch date is and you'll get a 30% discount. So um, they ran really well. Uh, we used 
like so we used Facebook advertising, but we went so we did some to a landing page and then we did some to Facebook Messenger because we had heard we were listening at that time and we had heard that, you know, your email list is amazing, but then Facebook Messenger is this kind of new shiny object. So we were like, Okay, we'll try and get um interest on both and subscribers on both. So we generated so we built our email list and a messenger list so maybe four to six weeks out from the launch date and then five days before the launch everyone who was on our email and messenger list got a sequence basically of kind of just information this is what the regular is this is the problem that it solves uh, here's some case studies or here's some questions if you have any concerns about this and you know we'd ask them questions ask the like the first email we sent we asked them you know what names do you have for your little regulars and the responses were amazing like there was um their Houdini and their little feral Houdini monkey and like there was crazy stuff that we got back but that was how we um kind of generated that awareness at the start and then we launched on the 20th of September in 2018 and we gave it was a three-day launch where they had access to that 30% discount so that was yeah that was the start of it and all. so the there's the initial generate anticipation around it and build yes. that list build that audience and then the actual mm-hmm. launch hat there's a sequence that builds up to that and then the actual launch or open cart occurs and you say all right you've got a limited window in which to do the discount or in which to purchase the product at a discount and that lasts 72 hours exactly and, okay and so this is this um this is Jeff Walker's product launch formula right from the book launch. yes yeah actually another book that was quite useful for us <laughs> I will put that in the list too uh, right. I've heard that one referenced several times. I actually just bought it, so I have a copy sitting here to reference. Walk me through the that product launch formula. Okay, so like we stuck pretty consistently to Jeff's, you know, the the templates that he gives different email templates on how to. So five days out, like the purpose of the what he calls the pre pre launch is getting people onto your list. So now you have whatever a few hundred, a few thousand people on your list. And you're really trying to build that anticipation. So it was five days then of um, kind of really just there wasn't that hard sell until the end, you know, but you're emailing them with information. I suppose there's a lot of frequently asked questions. So information about the benefits that the regular can give to you. Then there's um kind of myth busting or objection busting is kind of a lot of what you're doing in those middle couple of days where people are like oh god I don't think my child will like this or will this just take as long as a traditional diaper change or you know so any of the kind of the objections that people had raised along the way that gave us a chance to to bust those objections and then the last couple of days you're just emailing with again the benefits and a bit of urgency saying this will only last for whatever you'll only be able to avail of the discount for the three days and then it'll be gone and then you don't actually open the cart or give the discount until that specific time that you've that you've stated so then the idea is that when you do open the cart there is a kind of a a flood to um you know to buy which we never thought we'd you know you just you never know how it's all going to work like this started from scratch for us and we were just like oh my god is anyone actually going to Add to cart, go through the checkout. Oh, it was so terrifying. So what happened? How did it go? Yeah, so like we were both sitting at the kitchen table (laughs) at 8 o'clock on the 20th of September going, oh my God, we're going to send this email and is anyone going to buy it? And then, you know that Shopify, you know the the sound that you get on the app? I I don't know. Oh God, the ching. So the first ching came in at like as soon as we opened cart and we were like, yes! (laughs) It was just... (laughs) best moments ever and then yeah that oh, all I got night, goosebumps just, that's quite, yeah, you set quite the scene there <laughs> it was just amazing because we were nervous but it was we were so happy and it was just cha-ching 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 and we, yeah so like it was kind of everything that we hoped that it would be now the launch itself there was some things that we would do differently but to get those first sales was it was really really amazing and the thing I suppose that was interesting to us was when we started the Facebook ads we kept it quite broad we did target in the UK and Ireland and in the US and Canada and we weren't sure how it would do across both um but the cost per lead the cost to generate an email address it was similar on both um 
the cost per advertising was similar on both. So that's why we ended up splitting the stock and actually shipping half to Ireland and half to the US to be fulfilled in the US. And yeah, so the the launch happened simultaneously in both areas and it actually and it was it was we got similar results for the launch in both areas. It was only after that the things have been slightly different. But um yeah, it was a great night and a great three days. And then the next bit of it is going, oh my God, when's their first review going to come in and how are we going <laughs> you know, so people have bought it and now are they going to like it? So that was the next kind of hurdle for us. And I still remember getting that first review. I had just parked my car coming home from work and we got a Facebook message with a review saying, oh, um, FG, this is a sanity <laughs> favor. <laughs> and I just said, yes, I was just, yeah absolutely thrilled at that so it's been great to think that okay there's a problem the wriggler now solves that problem and people are finding that it solves it for them as well like that's been like huge for us so yeah that's and how it launched so you launched the stores essentially uh simultaneously and identically yes yeah okay everything yeah everything was yeah comparable even and to the point of launching yeah the result that initial launch result was similar between the two yeah, it was very similar. The only difference between the two stores was localization, like cha- like swapping nappy for diaper. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think we probably made a bit of a mistake on the UK and Ireland one in that we had the currency on the site in euro. Like we're in Ireland, so we use the euro. The UK is just next door to us and at the moment for now part of the EU, but they use the British pound, which we knew obviously, but as a Irish person I mean there's 5 million people in Ireland we're small there's 60 million people in the UK so they're a much bigger market so as an Irish person I'm used to shopping online in the UK and paying in pounds and that doesn't put me off like we don't have Amazon in Ireland but we have Amazon UK so I would buy on Amazon UK but for British people I didn't realize at the time neither of us realized at the time that paying in euro was very off-putting for them because Hmm. they obviously have everything that they need in their much bigger market. So they don't have to go outside of Britain much to buy. That's my only assumption. So, um, so that was one problem with the launch that we did rectify since then, but they were like, you know, we were getting messages on launch night saying, I can't buy it in Euro. And we were like, no, no, you can like your bank will do the conversion and you'll pay in pounds. But that was a, for some people that was a, a turnoff. So oh, they um, flat out didn't think they could make a purchase in a different. Currency. Yeah, no. Yeah. That was, it was a big block for a number of people. Um, and I guess where I would have a rough idea what the conversion rate would be, they maybe didn't have any idea how much. So they were seeing a price in euros. They probably maybe didn't fully see how much they were going to be paying in pounds. Um, so, yeah, that's we have found the bold multi-currency app really good for that because now they it is displayed on their, in their currency in the UK and they pay in their currency. So it never gets converted even at the end. So that's been really helpful. And you mentioned the bold multi-currency app. Were there any other apps uh, that you found useful? Um, Well, because we had the two mirror stores, we wanted to make sure that people were directed to the right store. So we used the Geolizer app, which is really useful for that so depending on where you are you get redirected to the correct store for your location um we use the bold post purchase one click upsell as well um because we do, it's a like the fact that it's a changing pad it's kind of a one-off purchase we do and we only have one product we we're kind of trying different ways to increase our average order value so yeah we use the post purchase one click upsell app as a and that has actually i think we get around maybe 10 to 15 percent uptake on that so that has increased our aov um we use fomo and that's something that i do think works the fomo app where people are saying seeing oh rachel in wherever just bought this and such a person from wherever forever just bought this and so i think that does gen give that sense of social proof that other people are buying it so it's it's a good purchase to make. Yeah, and I um, hear, I often hear merchants push back on FOMO. They're like, oh, it's annoying. It's like, well, do you want to make money or not? 
Um, yeah. Because when we, anytime we've run this thing, it really does work. It adds, well, it adds that urgency and social proof at the same time. It's cool. Yeah, I definitely, I, maybe I'm kind of, like I know as a purchaser that I'm definitely influenced by that. And I'm thinking, like if I have any question about, you know, if I don't know the brand very well, or if I'm not sure, like, yeah, is it the, is it a good purchase or whatever? I am influenced by the fact that <laughs> 10 people in the last whatever amount of time have just bought it. And I think, okay, well, if it's good enough for them, it's kind of good enough for me. I do think <laughs> it's cool. I like the, the social aspect of it. Yeah. I and you so. can, what's neat, they added new features to it. Cause I, we run this on my wife's store so you can have it like, obviously, ideally, if you have the volume you want, it's just to do like so-and-so purchased X, so-and-so purchased X, but you can have it do other events too. Like signed up for this mailing list, uh, oh, added yes. to cart. Yeah. That is very cool actually. Yeah. Yeah. This journey has been phenomenal. I have really, I've enjoyed hearing it. I'm glad we did this. Looking back, if you had to start over, you to go back two years what would you tell yourself? What would you do differently? As as much as it has, I mean, we have made good sales, say, in the UK and Ireland and the US. I think if we were doing it again, I would possibly focus on one to start with, with a view to um, expanding. So in that first, the first launch, and in terms of the like Facebook advertising and all of that, it gave us a really good reason to launch in both places simultaneously. But in the, say, the year that has gone since then, that idea of multiple touch points has been ever, like it's just kind of emblazoned in our brains because in it's been a different journey in that year. So in the UK and in Ireland, we've won two quite prestigious baby awards for the regular so um one of the the largest parenting review site in the uk um we won an award for that and then and another large website in the uk and these were all tested by independent parent product testers so that gave a lot of kind of credibility we were on national radio in ireland which isn't big and terms of the states but it was big in ireland and then we were on national tv as well on a segment of one of the morning shows which so what we've noticed in the uk and ireland is that with the added we've got some pr we've got some awards we've the influencer marketing has been a bit more successful so we have people have had multiple touch points and as a result it feels like there's a lot more word of mouth going on and we're noticing the comments on those ads are saying, oh, this is what I was telling you about, or hmm. this is what I saw here, there, and everywhere, or whatever. Whereas in the US, we're very reliant on Facebook ads, <clears throat> and it's a single touch point. And so our, it, so it's we're not a kind of penetrating the market as much. Now, I do think part of it as well is, for example, Ireland is quite a small, a small market, so a lot more people talk and like where there might be six degrees of separation in the world, there's probably only three degrees of separation in Ireland. And chances are someone has, who has seen somebody who knows somebody who's seen the regular, you know, but the UK is a bigger market, but still I think that multiple touch points is a real and building that relationship. It feels like the more people see us, the more they trust us and the more they were top of mind then when they go to purchase something. So I think if we were to go again, we would consider maybe starting in one location with a view to expanding. Um, but apart from that, I actually don't think I would shorten the journey at all because the time that it took us to get the product right means we're happy with the product, but it also gave us a huge amount of time to upskill on something which has ultimately been the reason and the source for our sales, like all of that marketing learning that we've done um we definitely wouldn't have known all of that from the start so being forced to not rush to have some some time but a hard deadline you think that uh was ultimately beneficial yes definitely yeah and it didn't feel like it at the time we were like and you know <laughs> i often think of have you seen those videos about the bamboo and you know like it's like under the ground for is it five years or something and people are like is it ever going to grow is it is there and that was the same our family and friends were like so as the regular is it for sale yet like you know where where is it are you still is it still being made or whatever but then 
it grows the bamboo grows like what is it 90 feet in a number of days or you know and just that concept of okay do the preparation be kind of patient about it and then it just it I think it does allow for quicker growth on the other side so yeah that I wouldn't change and if you had to give one piece of advice to a listener who's like I'm so close I want to start I want to launch my store I want to design my product I want to do something what would you tell them (laughs) I would say just do it and I would say listen to podcasts (laughs) is that a crazy piece of advice it just seems like there's yeah like that that um, that there's so much great information out there that is, yeah, that is available and just um, just use that because it's really, really valuable. It is definitely, it's definitely the thing that has got us to this point. You have given us so many resources. If you're <laughs> on an iPhone, swipe up on the, the show art. It'll open up the show notes. And in there, we've got uh, the three podcast recommendations, four book recommendations, four app recommendations, and finally, we have links to the regular U.S. and U.K. stores because you have a discount for us. Yes, we are very happy to offer a 30% discount. So to any listeners who are parents, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, friends, I mean, we all know somebody who has a baby. So um, yeah, if you use the code unofficial, you can get 30% off. So it's a great gift for expecting parents or for parents of babies for a first year first birthday gift uh, it's a great gift for that as well so 30 percent off with the code unofficial that is that is generous and we we thank you <laughs> aileen this has been wonderful thank you so much for doing this oh thank you curse i'm just i'm so kind of starstruck actually being on this side of things because usually I'm, I'm in my car listening to you or you and paul talking so thank you so much for the opportunity and for having me on Oh, our pleasure. It's so cool to see someone go from, like, take the journey and go from, all right, I'm consuming the resources, I'm putting it into effect, I'm figuring it out, and then it comes full circle. Now you're on the other side of it, helping people to do the same thing. So you should, you should be proud. Oh, well, I am. But thank you. Thanks again so much. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flux. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles in Turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.